Hello and welcome back to the Future World Life podcast. My name is Ollie Henderson and today's guest is Jenny Von Podevilles and as the co-founder and co-CEO of Leapsum, she's at the forefront of shaping how companies engage with employees and foster a culture of continuous improvement. Leapsum's platform gives managers and employees a range of tools for performance management, including goal setting, real-time feedback and 360 reviews and it's also a solution for personalized learning and employee engagement so as you can imagine we had a really interesting conversation we covered a range of topics everything from purpose-driven work to intergenerational insights including changing workplace expectations we also delve into the complexities modern managers face especially post-pandemic and how leapsom's platform aids in navigating these challenges Jenny explains how she thinks about the evolution of performance management, including how a feedback culture and OKRs contribute to transparent and effective performance management. And really interestingly, we hear Jenny's perspective on her own journey into entrepreneurship and her thoughts on building her own company culture. So thanks to Jenny for joining me today. If you'd like to find out more about her and about Leapsum, you'll find links in the show notes. And thanks, of course, to you for listening. If you're a regular listener, you'll know that I speak about these themes with organisations and teams. So if you'd like to get in touch and discuss me coming in and doing that with you, you'll also find a link in the show notes. So let's jump into my conversation with Jenny. So Jenny, very happy to have you on the show today. I've got a bunch of things that we could talk about, but I thought let's start with a broad question. What, from a personal point of view, most excites you about what's different now to even a few years ago and how things are evolving in the workplace? Awesome. First of all, thanks for having me. What excites me the most? I think the way we've built our team and what I really enjoy about working with the youngest generation in in our workspace is like really people asking a lot of questions around the purpose of the business, how it relates to their personal dis- uh, purpose and just asking a lot of why questions and how their work fits into the greater vision for their lives. And I think this mm. is just a lot of meaningful conversations. So I think I do enjoy that orientation towards why and purpose a lot. And also generally like people not being afraid to ask questions and challenge things. That's also like very much at the DNA of our culture. And yeah, I just like to, ask hard questions and being asked hard questions and maybe that's possible more nowadays than it has been like 20 years ago. Yeah I'm interested whether it is just the way things have developed or if it's a reflection of the younger generation because you so often read that there are these huge differences between different generations and Gen Z think about work differently and I guess look when you're younger you do tend to think about work differently as you acquire more responsibility um, inside and outside of work inevitably your perspective on it changes but do you think it's just that work's progressed in some way and cultures have progressed in some way or that younger generation bringing something really unique and distinct Hmm. I I think it's for me it's a combination one element playing into that is obviously the the demographic changes so it's just a, a generation that can also maybe ask for more than maybe previous generations could just given that it's even still nowadays for great talent, a bit more of a employing market than an employer's market. So mm. I think that's maybe one that plays into that. And I think in addition to that, maybe if we think about a bit like Maslow's hierarchy, I think a lot of, I don't know, in, in Spain, in Europe and North America and many countries, like a lot of more maybe basic needs have been fulfilled. So people do think a lot more about their self 
self-actuation, how they, yeah, just, just different needs that are top of mind and what my identity is, how work fits into that. So I feel like it's a, it's those two things do very much play into it. And I think then we also, maybe the third factor, I've just seen a bit of a change in, in, in leadership. I don't know, is the cause or their results um, of that, but just being more open to different perspectives um asking asking more than than telling um and i think that all jointly plays into that to a large extent mm -hmm. what is the most difficult question perhaps you've had to ask of yourself or perhaps it might have been a question that somebody asked of you you said that people ask difficult questions which are always welcome but is there something that you've had to come up against as a leader and think wow that's this requires a real shift in perspective and mindset? I think a question that I tend to ask myself and where, to some extent, I also have high expectations for others to, to ask themselves is whenever there's things that aren't working out, there's challenges, there's things that aren't yet working the way we want them to work. What's my doing in them, right? What part of that do I own? What can I do to change them, to improve them, where have I maybe, despite having a good intention, failed to communicate it well or didn't have enough perspective for maybe some of the, the consequences for us, it sounds super abstract, but I think this is really one where I'm trying to, to really take, to your point, take the time to also have the time to reflect upon them, have enough headspace to reflect upon them in the mm. craziness of hecticness of doing everything I do to really dive into that and yeah I think that's I think the hardest ones are the, when you get the tricky questions and people often maybe questions also reveal that someone isn't satisfied and there was a good intention it was intended to be different but it still didn't land as expected and the company is like a complex system so not everything can be fully predicted but I think mm. those are, those are a lot of the tricky questions and yeah, I deal with on a daily basis <laughs> <laughs> And often I think the role of leaders, particularly when you're changing behavior or attitudes towards certain things, like for example, being clearly well-being is a critical part of the conversations I'm assuming that you have with your clients, but obviously internally as well. Mm -hmm. And modeling behavior as a leader is crucial to that. So you mentioned there you're having to try and carve out some time to reflect on a really busy schedule as a mm -hmm as a leader in an organization and a mum with young kids. So how do you actually go about doing that? And how might you model that to others in the organization? I think it's a tough one. I would say I, I go in waves. So there is the good times in the wave where I feel like, yeah, I'm managing to keep enough space in my diary. I have certain like blockers that I really want to keep for deep work, for thinking, and I'm holding on to those. And I'm actually really taking the time to to reflect and withdraw myself from within the business to think a bit more um, about the big picture work on the business rather than in the business. But And there's also times when there's a hundred little fires everywhere when I don't maintain that level of headspace and um, there's work but then there's also the reality of also the mother of two little kids and people like kids get sick and another support system that we've set up for ourselves and our child support doesn't work as expected right and those moments it's 
sometimes hard to maintain that level of headspace. And then I think the I usually, but maybe sometimes it takes a bit of time to find that way to also pull myself out and just throw everything out of the calendar, find a way to get that headspace again, spend a weekend in nature. And I just really do know that I'm not going to be the best version of myself if I don't maintain that level of reflection and headspace. And sometimes I do know I need to go a bit slow to then accelerate again. That's yeah. definitely the learning and pattern for me as well. But it comes in waves, right? Sometimes I'm riding it and sometimes I'm like swimming behind. <laughs> I'm intrigued how you've found your way into entrepreneurship and becoming a founder. Because, of course, lots of people aspire to be more entrepreneurial in their careers. But it's a big leap, isn't it? Jumping into life as a full-time founder and a big commitment. I think before I dive into the story, I think what has always helped me personally a lot, I think I just have a slightly different risk perception maybe than some other people. And I've always been maybe more afraid to not try than to fail trying. Life is short. I feel like everything I don't try that I have the itch to try is a lost opportunity. And so how I got into like where I am today is my first job after university actually was working for a startup. And I joined the startup because I felt like it's a bit of a space where I can have faster impact, learn faster. So I really was gravitating to that environment. And learned so much in, in that first job. Really enjoyed all the learnings, all the, the energy, the speeds. And the other sort of learning for me at the time was, as the company scaled, seeing how important the people and organizational topics are, which I really never understood in, in, in university where there was some course about people and organization, like why that mattered. It felt so fuzzy. But then being in this real world, in this fast-moving company, so much great technology, great intentions, but seeing to some extent that there was, I think, an element of how do we truly maintain the alignment as the company grows? How do we make sure we maintain or evolve the culture in the most effective way? How do people know what they're good at, what they can improve on? And somehow that wasn't like, wasn't a focus at the time in the company, and I think there was like this missing piece and that got me first interested to really think about organizational design, people enablement, leadership, and just really like diving out of curiosity and an interest to learn into that sort of subject area. Then actually left the company and joined a more established company in the media industry, undergoing a lot of change, working as chief of staff to the CEO, which was a cool role because I got exposure to a lot of like strategic initiatives, new business initiatives, and seeing to some extent, again, how ultimately the the reason or the challenges for some of these initiatives to thrive was how can we, like, did we have a strong alignment? Were we able to um, bring, like manage the culture, the organizational rhythm around this element of change? How do we bring in new capabilities? How do we enable folks within this changing environment? And seeing the parallels almost between this fast-moving startup world, but also like similar patterns um, of ultimately also business people success and business success in a very different environment got me even more interested. And at the time, was just like reading everything, listening to everything, meeting everything, going to meetups and events, and like really trying to understand that space. 
And my co-founder, Kajan, had, had a very similar experience and also started to really dive into the space, trying to understand. And we discussed this back and forth and then ultimately decided to really tackle that big question of what ultimately makes people and humans successful in organizations. And started Honest Kitchen Table, I don't know, seven, seven and a half years ago, and really trying to dissect that question. And the three fundamental pillars, to some extent, we've identified as like, how do we keep everyone marching in the same tune? So how do we have that alignment? But not just on the big picture, but also all the way to the daily doings. That was one of the pillars we started to tackle. Listening to people, understanding the organization, what goes well, what doesn't go well, what's moving in the right direction to the wrong direction. Like, how do we really generate a space and an environment for people to succeed? That was like the second question. If we have everyone marching to the same tune, do we actually have that environment for everyone to succeed? Then also thinking at the individual level, like how do people know their strengths, their like opportunities to de develop further strengths-based or compensate maybe for development areas that are also important for their role development? How do we enable managers to understand the, the strengths of their teams? Like how do we tackle that element of people and manager enablement? And those were the components we thought around and we started with, we always had that vision of a platform that really tackles that holistically. But we needed to start somewhere. So then we got into building like modern instant feedback and reviews and OKRs and pulse surveys and learning. And like that ultimately turned into the platform we have today. But it was always like starting with that question out of the own experience we've had and with just the, the more, more being more afraid to not try it than, than, than to try it. That's got to be the defining characteristic i think for a lot of entrepreneurs hasn't it the desire to just take action and understand that it doesn't always work out but just have that absolutely burning need to to try it and presumably when you're in that early stage like you say you have the big vision here's how it could be realized the best possible manifestation of these ideas are when we bring all of this together but like you say, you've got to start somewhere with a very mm -hmm. specific persona in your mind of someone who mm -hmm. you can sell to. Yeah. So the other, I think, very defining factor, both for us as entrepreneurs, but I think also how we work as a company is we've always been driven by curiosity and learning. And so where we initially start is, is actually by doing a lot of customer interviews and user interviews and like really trying to understand where some of the most burning pains were. And the first lever we actually identified is really like, how do we build to some extent a, a true feedback culture? Like how do we build radical candor into an organization? Because to some extent, like if, if that's in existence, a lot of the other things can be improved, the alignment, the organizational health, the individual enablement, because that's to some extent the, the constant feedback, the, the willingness to be candid is like the, the data that gives the opportunity to improve on those. So the, the first feature we actually started with at the time was instant feedback, which mm. was just incredibly narrow. So not a not great from a business perspective, but we need to just start somewhere. And from this motion of how do we build a culture from of continuous feedback? We then moved from like instant feedback into modern performance management reviews, more like forward looking, not just backward looking, competency oriented, more peer perspectives, which again, like it's a very powerful combination when 
we have elements of like really going into like ongoing rapid feedback, but then also the same way we need to reflect as founders, as managers, as people also have that more reflective moment to have a bigger conversation about where do you stand? Like, where do you want to go? So the two really complemented one another. And I think that was the moment when also from a business success perspective, things seemed to like all started really accelerating and moving into the right direction. And in order to be able to share feedback on what's good and what's not good, obviously there needs to be a baseline of what is expected of me, what are we trying to achieve together. So the next thing we added was actually the goals and the OKRs feature to actually generate mm -hmm. that joint alignment and clarity with the goals and also like meetings, because ultimately goals aren't worth anything unless we actually touch base on them on a regular basis. And it informs also how we move forward on, on prioritizing initiatives, our daily doing, touching base, are we still moving in the right direction? Also, the more ongoing feedback, the more holistic feedback conversations, like also the development goals, checking in on them. Can I still support you better? Are we on track? So this all made perfect sense together. And like, you could really see and feel how the product market fit was accelerating. And next, actually, so I think it was 2018, so a long time ago, and then added the pulse surveys and, and company surveys features to not just because the feedback, the reviews were more feedback and the, at the individual layer, whereas the surveys was more feedback to the organization, to the system. Mm -hmm. So that all obviously complemented one another. And we always build really strong connections between the features because I think that's maybe also one of the biggest changes that I think we've seen in the world of people departments, HR departments to why they moved away from like a back office function to a true business partner. Like these things need to be working and seeing like it's an operating system we're building at the end of the day. Thinking about how one process leads to another. So it's not a checkbook exercise, right? I, I, I can say I do reviews, but like they're actually moving the needle in the certain tense of, in the sense of and people understand what expected of them. We've maybe clarified that through objectives or OKRs, but they also know what they're good at and what they need to, to work on, maybe strengths related, but then also like supporting them throughout the year, throughout the quarter, the half year to really work on those. And that's when we're basically seeing through this operating system, we build habits and we ultimately see the business outcomes we want to have and the individual outcomes we want to have. So this is why we always had this really strong vision of a holistic interconnected system and yeah, learning compensation lots of things we we added further on but again always in a really close sort of interaction listening to working with our customers and i think the thing that really shows that we how we did that is we were actually bootstrapped as a company so it, that means actually terrible startup or tech lingo that we actually were growing out of our own cash flow. So a lot of companies mm -hmm. raised a big round of venture capital to grow. But we, for a really long period and to like really high numbers of customers, I think over 1,500 customers, we actually just grew out of cash flow. And that was because we listened so, um, so well, we adapted quickly to changing needs. And when COVID hit, what kind of surveys are now needed? What kind of features actually support that changing organization that's all of a sudden like remote from one day to another? So this is like that, that strong DNA of curiosity, learning and listening that I think enabled us to do that. Mm. So one of the biggest challenges I come across again and again in, in organizations of all different sizes are manager skills. And I'm talking specifically about the ability of those managers to manage and particularly, this has obviously got way more challenging as work modes have become more complex. 
people in different locations, working at different times. Sometimes everyone's in the office, sometimes it's a hybrid. And lots of people self-report that they don't feel confident about managing that situation. So I wonder if that is reflected in your experience with customers. Um, and, and, you know, as a general point, how do you tackle that within your business? But also then how can technology facilitate? Because in some cases, technology can be part of the challenge, actually. But of course, if he's right, it can enable managers. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that observation. And there's been, I think, Gardner report, and actually that's very consistent also with what we hear from our customers, that manager enablement and manager effectiveness is actually one of the top priorities for people leaders in 2024. So it's a very top of mind challenge. And I actually have a lot of empathy for managers just because the job has somewhat become even harder since COVID and the pandemic and the shifts to hybrid work and many organizations and also a lot of the mental health issues that it has brought in, in, in work workforce. So I think we all need to acknowledge that managers do have a really hard job and don't necessarily always have the support they need to be successful. And I also very much agree with your observation that technology can be part of the problem or the solution. So the way we think about it is actually by putting a lot of focus when we build technology nowadays to really think about the manager persona. So how will this workflow work for a particular manager? Like how do we make this workflow reviews, OKR, goal-setting processes, working with survey results, significantly easier for the manager to really help them do their job better rather than just adding an additional um, piece yeah. of work. And I think the, the great opportunity we have at hand is actually a lot of the interactions and workflows can be significantly simplified with the help of AI no nowadays. So how we are going about that is, first of all, we are supporting our customers with manager, manager, enablement, manager trainings. So there's through our learning part of the platform an opportunity to actually consistently support managers with micro learning, with learning that folks have access to at the right moment in time. So for example, when a review cycle comes up, like how do I have hard conversations again might be something that mm. I, I might want to discuss again. But then also really rethinking like, how, what's the simplest possible way for a manager to prepare for a feedback conversation, for example? How can I leverage some of the past interactions and make those accessible to the manager so they, they have a really good starting point? We're providing, for example, an, an, an AI feature where we help the manager based on their previous notes or some prompts they give to actually craft their feedback in an intentional and an effective way. So that, again, actually can make this process easier for a lot of people. It's also easier to edit a text then rather than start with a blank piece of paper mm. or in a, in a survey context, actually summarizing also the open text comments and answers to identify the themes, provide ideas and action plans. So I think this is where AI capabilities uh, combined with intelligence and really intuitive tooling can actually really help managers become more effective in their jobs. And, and personally, my the feature 
that actually really helps me the most with being being effective is just making sure I have really good one-on-one meetings and we touch upon everything that's important for us, my, my direct report and, and I to jointly be successful. So the way I structure, I have one-on-ones with every one of my direct reports on a weekly basis and I do skip level one-on-ones on a monthly basis. And I have a very clear agenda where I always check in on how the person is doing, how the team is doing. So spending spending time on that. Then going into like key business KPIs, uh, going into learnings from past initiatives, going into the next big initiatives that are being planned for the for the next months and on a weekly basis. Are there any updates? Do you need direction from me? Is there anything where I need to support on? And we basically have this really clear agenda and our Leapsum meeting. And we add talking points as we go through the week. So I always have it open my phone. And even if I'm like, no, no working back from dropping my kids off at the daycare and I'm like oh this is actually something this Mm. might help so and so like I just add it as a talking point we both prep we read some of the updates section we don't even maybe need to spend time talking about so we can actually focus Mm. on the things where there's alignment needs or coaching requests and just by having that clear agenda always having the space once a week and going into that conversation in an intentional way to really make sure everyone gets really out of out of what they need out of this meeting is something that I think helps us a lot. And we also touch base on like OKRs just to make sure that we fully aligned on on where we are there. We touch base on development objectives. What can I do to support you better? Maybe it's just accountability or like being an accountability buddy at times or mm. having ideas on maybe a coach or came across something that might be helpful. I think just that rhythm and consistency mm. and just space, intentional space, actually I think is something that that helps me to be, yeah, it's, it's, I think a key element for my personal effectiveness as a manager. Mm. I mean, there's some stark evidence isn't there of the importance of individual line managers on like every aspect of an employee or a worker's development propensity to progress within a company even just whether they stick around or not there's some negative correlations clearly between a bad boss and tension in a team it's a quick question quite a specific question about okrs i think if most people are honest they struggle with effective goal setting and OKRs are clearly a tool that can be effective if used correctly. But many people have difficulty in actually defining what those OKRs can be to properly incentivize individuals and simultaneously create the alignment that you mentioned earlier on, which is so important. So what makes a good OKR plan or an OKR strategy or, or even really specifically what makes a good OKR? I think there's a very different perspectives on that and if you would ask maybe an okr coach maybe there would be a a more dogmatic response to that uh, question what's important for me personally also within the context of leapsum within our company is for me that we take a step back on a regular cadence and to some extent reassess are we moving into the right direction or what really is the other biggest levers that we have now and what we should we prioritize now and where do we actually don't focus our time on right now, right? Mm. So maybe we know something isn't working perfectly, but we cannot fix everything at the same time. So having this 
maybe to some extent, again, reflection point <laughs> yeah. and being very intentional about what should we focus on? What are the big levers for the business? And do we actually, do, are we aligned in the sense of, first of all, we agree in those first two, but also across departments and teams, the objectives for a given quarter or period of time actually align because if one team wants to do this but needs team B for it or like the marketing team wants to do it and needs the sales team for it, for it but the sales team has very different objectives like there's going to be stoppers and we're going to block one another because our goals and priorities aren't aligned so for me it's actually really these three things mm. uh, and the goal setting process and then just having an irregular, irregular cadence to check in are we actually moving in the right direction? Are we making progress on those? If we don't, why not? Is it maybe we didn't plan the priorities correctly? How, what can we learn from that for the next iteration? And obviously, ideally, there's such clarity on the key results that we have, we don't have to discuss for too long if we're making progress or not, because it's somewhat obvious. But I think those for me are like the big overarching topics. And then there's the devil is always in the detail, but I think this is where I'm not that dogmatic and I would always say whatever works for the company, they should do. Do you draft the perfect, inspiring objectives? Are your KRs perfect? I think don't get them perfect, just improve on them in the next iteration and the next cycle. And also, I think a big one is, do you just put the strategic projects in the OKRs? What about the the regular KPIs, I think there's also different things that work for different companies. Are all your OKR stretch goals or do you want to actually have some stretch goals and others where you actually want to land on 100%? I think mm -hmm. there's different schools of thought, but I'm not as dogmatic. I would always say, try it, iterate on it, figure out what works for you. I think it's always, again, like worse to not start doing it and not getting into these prioritization and focus and alignment discussions by being afraid of failing on OKRs, but rather learn from it, do retro, get it better next time. Mm. We've personally, like at Leapsum, also changed our OKR process a lot of times. I feel like there's almost like changes from every cycle to the next cycle. And I would actually say yeah. that's not a bad thing. That doesn't mean no, we don't know how to, it's exactly, it's a feature. It's part yeah. of making sure it works for every stage of the process. And yeah, so I'm very undogmatic on OKRs while I'm very firm on the, overarching objectives brilliant i like it perhaps a trend which has accelerated since covid but something which was already happening which is that the workforce it's becoming more complex or at least more diverse by which i mean you're not just hiring 100 full-time employees contractors have always been a thing freelancers have always been a thing but increasingly businesses are bringing in specific expertise for a short period of time or they require people working on a fractional basis or perhaps as you've got more increased uh, worker flexibility you've got people doing job shares it's all different combinations of things and some of those are employees and some aren't so how do managers particularly but organizations think about culture and also performance management because do you have the same principles for every single person is everyone treated the same or do you have to be flexible also in your approach to culture and performance management Hmm. And that's um, and that's an interesting question. Maybe a whole I, podcast there as well. By yeah, the way, exactly. <laughs> that, how, how many hours have we left? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would 
say I do want to stay very firm on culture uh, in the sense of, in particular, whoever we bring onto like the, the permanent team of Leapsum. So the way we go about it is actually we do culture at interviews and we have very clear expectations of what or like very clear understanding of what our shared purpose is, what our shared values is, so why we exist and how we want to go about winning and achieving this perfect purpose. So that for me, like that level of alignment on, on, on culture for me is like an absolute non-negotiable. And we also don't hire people that are have great functional expertise if we don't believe there is a, a value alignment. Yeah. It's interesting because I don't think we necessarily do it as consistently when identifying um, subcontracts and freelancers, which is actually an interesting question, probably depending on how closely you work together as a team. But I think it's just good food for thought. I'm going to take that one away and think about it. <laughs> and when we think about, or when I think about Performance management, I think for me, that always starts with we need a clear baseline of what we expect of one another. And that alignment and certain values is, for example, one I would say one of the expectations. But then on a functional level, the I think where a lot, where a lot of performance systems already fail is like they fail to even clarify what they expect of people. Mm. So that's, I think, very important, frankly, for both for fully internal talent and also like for relationships that are maybe beyond permanent employees. And I think the expectations um, to some extent differ if, if somebody is a job share, obviously that's maybe a different expectation than someone who's full-time employees. And it's again, a different expectation for someone who's a freelancer. So I think the best practice of let's make sure we have really clear understanding of the expectations towards one another. I think that's something that's, I would also say it's like a non-negotiable. Mm. And I think then probably to, to internal talent, we have a really high expectations also towards ourselves on the development side. So it's not a, just about measuring past performance. It's also about what, is, what, are, what are the next evolutions of a career, of competency development, what are career paths. Uh, and that is basically something we we only do for internal talent and I guess for someone who's like a freelancer or an agency that part of performance management development is basically on, on their end so I think that's maybe the different biggest differentiation I would see as that question implied there are many areas I could continue talking to you probably and uh, take up your whole day which I won't do of course <laughs> but I, there is one, one other question I had which is about unseen work so when you've got very clear OKRs, very clear KPIs, and you know, and you use the marketing and sales example perhaps around alignment. And there are certain aspects of a job when you're working in sales which are really clear. If you mm. close a new deal, you might have a board, you might even ring a bell to go back in time when something happens. That's very visible. But there's a lot of unseen work going on. And some people, frankly, are better at shouting about the work that they do than others. Mm. So how do you tackle that? And again, this could be related to Leapsum specifically or how you see this manifesting in other companies. But how do you mm -hmm. tackle that idea mm -hmm. of unseen work? Yeah. Frankly, this is why that's for me also 
a key feature of modern performance management and recognition compared to the old world. The old world was backward looking. The new world is we look obviously backward, but we also look forward at potential at career paths. And then we, in the old world, it was just the manager looking at the person. And in the, in the modern world, I think it should always be a 360 and giving the individual time for a thorough self-assessment and self-reflection where maybe there's also already things that are being surfaced that I, as the manager, wasn't fully aware of. What do you personally consider your key achievements in the last quarter or year or six months? And I think those are super enlightening, right? So that helps me to get a better understanding or like a wider perspective, but then also peer feedback. And I think, yes, some people shout louder than others, but I do also believe, I think also at Leapson, we've hired a really smart team and a really kind team. And I think people do see the nuances and also see the contributions of the quieter people. But this is why I, as the manager, I cannot just rely on my own judgment. I need to take these additional perspectives into account. And however, all of this is only going to work if I have a certain level of psychological safety, if I have a certain habit of a feedback culture and cadence, which bring us back to where we started with building mm -hmm. the platform. Um, and I think this is where, again, actually, the manager is a bit of a central focal point, right? Because as an organization, in order to achieve that, we need to make sure that we equip managers and train managers to actually build a space of psychological safety, invite feedback, listen to feedback, accepts feedback without pushing back directly, without penalizing people for it. And also people feeling like with feedback is ultimately data. So maybe not every feedback is going to yield into a change or a reaction. Maybe some, some things need to be put in context, but I think there also needs to be certain change that's being seen based on like employee surveys, for example. Like we always try to focus on like a theme or one measure per quarter that we improve on based on feedback we received, right? So all of this feeds into ultimately feedback culture, the psychological safety, that it's being given the space, that directions are adequate, that it actually yields a certain change. And I think this is just something where managers also need support and training and guidance to actually keep reinforcing this environment um, for all of this, again, as an operating system to really yield the benefits it can have. Well, you did a very good job of taking us 360 back to the beginning of the conversation <laughs> there. So well done. <laughs> well, Jenny, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. I really enjoyed chatting. I'm sure we could do this again at some point. So we'll check in again in the future. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I'm looking forward to doing this again. So thanks again to Jenny for joining me today. And thanks to you for listening. I've got another great guest for you next week. I'll see you back here again then.